Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We must never think the harvest is not ready. The harvest is ready right now. There's people in our neighborhood, they're questioning even more. In many of the places where it's a disaster, people are dying, whatever, they're questioning, is there a God? Is there somebody that loves me? What can I do? Man, I'm hurting. See, really, the financial stuff doesn't matter to us. We've learned that. You come home and the house is gone or whatever, what do we have? We have God, we have the Holy Spirit, we're going to heaven. I mean, really, the main thing is what? People and God and how we use our time. Is your life focused on the eternal or the present? Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to live out the Great Commission by sharing the good news with a world that desperately needs Jesus. If your life is dictated by the Holy Spirit, the material possessions and cares of this life will pale in comparison to eternity. The Lord wants to use you today to take His message to His people. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you into thinking you've got plenty of time or that you're not equipped. God is the author of time, and he's provided you with the best resource possible, his Holy Spirit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with the conclusion of his message, The Necessity of the Holy Spirit. Comfort means to come alongside, to support, to encourage. You understand, we're just people. We can say some kind words, we can pray, we can hold them, but the Spirit needs to be comforted. And who is that to that husband? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to do that often. Next, he helps me pray. You know, there's times when we don't know how to pray. How do I pray for this? And let's be honest, all of us have Kind of sometimes we're selfish in our prayers. We're just praying for us. Now, let me guarantee you, when the Holy Spirit helps you pray, what will he always pray? God's will. Because he's God. He's not going to pray my will. God, I don't know why you sent this thing. Get this thing out of my life, this trouble. No, maybe I have to go through it. And the Holy Spirit will only pray. No, God will give you strength to go through it. God will give you strength to go through it. The next one is a big one for all of us, and not just unbelievers. The Holy Spirit corrects, or can I say, convicts us, me. Look at what Paul writes to Timothy. All scripture, Bible, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You see, it's not just an unbeliever that gets convicted. A believer gets convicted because we're not perfect. And when we sin, the Holy Spirit will come to us. And I usually do that often in my morning time. I assess yesterday. But sometimes I have to do it right there. 
you know, you ever said something to your spouse or to a friend or whatever, and immediately the spirit goes, really? Really? And sometimes we get so mad, I'm just going to walk away from the situation and let them storm. And then all of a sudden we have to go back to our spouse or friend or whatever and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Well, who, who told you you were wrong? The Holy Spirit. Because he's trying to keep us what? On the inside, being like Christ. So we need that all the time. All of us do. Patience and all the other things that come with this. But there's, if there's anything you and I need in life, it's I need guidance and direction. Look at this last one. The Holy Spirit leads and he guides us. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, as we look at people, as we look at situations, as we look at our government and all the, it's hard to see what's real and what isn't real. We can't see the hearts of people. We can see stuff. But God knew we needed someone to lead us every single day. We need to know the will of God, what to do, where to go, when, how. We, we don't want to try to navigate life on our own. So think about this. It's essential this morning as a Christian. I'm speaking to all of the campuses. It's essential that we know the Holy Spirit, our divine helper, can do for us what he can do for us. I gave you a few samples. Many of you were unaware that you have God that lives in you. You don't have to go to church, except the Bible says, as we get even closer to the end, be in church on a more regular basis because we need to be encouraged. We need to be comfortable. We need to be taught. Our world, our world is so immoral and it's getting worse. We have to protect ourselves. And so that's what we do in church. This is how we mature. This is how we grow. So it's essential, you know, this morning, when you walk out of this building, wherever you're at, in any campus, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And he's doing all of those things just as if it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was with his disciples. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing for you. He's a person you can know and trust and have a personal relationship. God lives in us today. So it's essential for you and I to know that. Who needs to know that there is a Holy Spirit that can live in them? Our unbelieving neighbors and friends and co-workers. Because what are they trying to do this morning? They are trying to navigate life without God. Does it work? No. Doesn't work. Impossible. Never designed to work. Right from the beginning, Adam, Eve, God. Threesome. That's the way it worked. So it's impossible. So not only do we need to be reminded, but our neighbors don't know this at all. So let me give you this challenge to write down this morning. And I want you to pray about it. This is a great week to do it. VIO, learn to share with unbelievers these benefits of doing life with God, the Holy Spirit. They don't know somebody can guide them. They don't know that they can look at the Bible and the Holy Spirit can teach them. They don't know that there's someone, God, that can comfort them. They don't know that God can encourage them. One of the most exciting things about being led by God is to be able to hear his voice. Romans 8, 14 says this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. You can work that around just the opposite. If you're a child of God, you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike, I don't know what to do. Well, if you're a Christian, ask the Holy Spirit. He'll direct you, normally through the word of God. But sometimes we'll get, he'll guide us, he'll nudge us, he'll speak to our spirits so I can take the next steps of faith. 
Does God expect of every Christ follower when they're led to do just that? Your commandment is to seek and save the lost. So look for ways to do that. This is why we're in this series. Now I want you to turn to John chapter 4. Very familiar passage. I will go through it incredibly quick. And let me just explain to you. The Samaritans and the Jews in Jesus' day didn't get along. So John 4, 4 says this. Now he had to, Jesus, go through Samaria. Jesus was teaching his disciples what it means to be led by the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit, his divine helper. And Jesus says to his disciples... I'm going to go, when he got up that morning, he says, God told me I'm going through Samaria. Now, the disciples would have said to Jesus, are you crazy? Those Samaritans hate us Jews. What a waste of your time. They weren't being led. Jesus was being led. So they're going to follow. Now, as they follow, they'll discover that God's ways are not our ways. And God has, when when Jesus gets to the well, there's a woman there. And he begins to interact. At first, he asks for a drink of water. By the way, Jesus is man, so he's physically thirsty, and he's physically hungry, and he was tired. So he interacts with this lady for a while. And he begins to use a word as an illustration. He says to you, I have living water. You'll never have to even go down to the well for water anymore. She says, give me that water. She didn't understand that he was using a spiritual term. What he meant is, I have salvation for you. I am the living water. If I give that to you, if you'll accept me, repent and believe, then you will never thirst for anything spiritually. Oh, you may be thirsty physically, but you'll never search for anything spiritually. But he said to her first, in his mind, I got to deal with their sin problem. So he says to her, go get your husband. And she says to Jesus, partial truth. I don't have a husband. Then Jesus said to her, well, you've had five husbands and you divorced them. And the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, how did Jesus know that? The spirit, the spirit. He had divine word from God. And so the woman goes, whoa, you must be a prophet. And what happens at the end of the story? She accepts Jesus. She repents of those sins. She receives living water and she becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 28. Look what happens after this takes place. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, let me ask you a question. How complicated was her testimony? Don't you think this is amazing? She just gets saved. And what is the next thing she's doing? Witnessing. She's on mission. And what does she say? Hey, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It's very simple. It's very clear, just like you saw on the old. Could she go to the Old Testament? Now, he took me to the book of Isaiah. Let me show you Isaiah. She wouldn't know a thing about that. She didn't get it. She just said, I met a man. I repented of my sins. He knew everything about me, and I'm a different person. That's all. It's a personal testimony. That was the starting point. Now, when she shared that, she shared it minutes after she was saved. 
What a challenge for you and I. Now, all we have to do, basically, she's saying, come and, come and see. You know what that includes to us? Come and listen to my testimony. Come to church next weekend. Let me show you that you can know God. Do you understand? It's the love of God. Now, verse 30. Look at verse 30. And they, the people of the town, came out of the town and made their way toward him. So here comes all these people from the town. They're coming out because what, they, what she said kind of piqued their attention. Whoa. Well, when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well, the disciples weren't there. They, they went home. No, they didn't go home. They went to McDonald's down the way. <laughs> they were hungry. And so they got a carry out and they came back to Jesus. And they're offering Jesus food. And basically, Jesus said, uh, uh, and you'll see in a moment, I don't need any food. They go, well, who, who is here to give you food? We're so far out in the wilderness, there's nobody had any food at all. Look at verse 34. Look at my food, my purpose, my meaning in life is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So understand, Jesus says this. Yeah, I'm hungry physically. I'm thirsty. That's why I asked for water. I was tired. That's why I sat down at the well. But he said, my real work isn't physical. It's spiritual. I've come to finish the work. I'm making disciples of you. I'm teaching you how to be led and directed by the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to the cross and I'm going back to heaven. I will have completed the work of God. Then he says to him, look at verse 35. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Let me share what happened. Jesus says, you're thinking in an agriculture way, the harvest is four months from now. He says, lift up your eyes. Now, let's see if you can follow the story. Jesus here with his disciples. The woman goes to town, and she gives them their little testimony. And what do the people do from the town? Tell me. They were coming which way? Toward who? Jesus. They're, they're swarming out of the town in a huge line toward Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, lift up your eyes. What's he talking about? No. Here they come. Who's coming? The harvest is coming. These people coming are searching for purpose and meaning in life. The harvest, Jesus said, is ready now. Don't tell me later. The reason we came here this morning, the reason I came through Samaria, you guys thought I was totally crazy. The reason I came here, God knew there was one seeking woman. Can I say this? We must never think the harvest is not ready. The harvest is ready right now. There's people in our neighborhood, they're questioning even more. In many of the places where it's a disaster, people are dying, they're questioning, is there a God? Is there somebody that loves me? What can I do? Man, I'm hurting. See, really, the financial stuff doesn't matter to us. We've learned that. You come home and the house is gone or whatever, what do we have? We have God, we have the Holy Spirit, we're going to heaven. I mean, really, the main thing is what? People and God and how we use our time. So don't ever, don't ever say, Pastor Mark, this isn't really the time. Our nation is so screwed up. This isn't the time. Nobody is interested in God. No, no, no. They're thirsty for God. This is not the world God designed. So people are so confused. They're searching. So Jesus says, I'm here. 
My food is to do the will of God. I want you to write this down. What is the will of God for you this morning and me? Here it is. V-I-O is our work to finish. I'm here to seek and save the lost. When God opens the door, when he gives me a nudge, just as he did Jesus, we are led by the spirit of God and he will lead us in many ways. Decisions that we have to make, yes. Who to marry, yes. Job to take, yes. Should leave the storm and stay here, yes. He directs us on all those. But he really is going to be directed about the people who simply need God. That means in our services, outside this building, they're there. Now, in verse 36 to 38, he does something very interesting. Look at it. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, the harvest crop, he, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, Jesus says, one sows, and we know what this is from agriculture, one sows and another reaps is true. So I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of the labor. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying this, look at me. He's not talking to his disciples as if they were there earlier in Samaria and planted the seed about Jesus. We don't know who planted the seed in that town about Jesus. Maybe, very possibly, John the Baptist. Some of these Samaritans had gone down to see John the Baptist uh, baptizing people, and they say to him, what are you doing? Well, I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. I'm preparing the way. So maybe they went back to their town and they began talking about, you know, that John the Baptist guy, he's crazy. Uh, He says this Messiah, our Messiah, is coming. So we don't know who planted. But what he's saying is conversion often occurs one step at a time. There's sowing, there's watering, then another one person reaps the harvest. So what is Jesus kind of saying is, somebody already planted a seed in the town when I came. I got to reap the harvest. And that's the way it works. People don't come to Christ usually the first time they hear Christ. It takes a while. Nicodemus took a long while for him to come to Christ. One plants, one waters. Who gives the increase? Only God. Write this down this morning. Salvation is God's part. Sharing the good news is our part. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. Many times people will come down to the altar at the end of the service and they get saved. And people go, wow, Pastor Mark, you're great. No, no, no. Somebody already shared with them. A neighbor's been sharing with them for 25 years. All of a sudden they come. God speaks to them. They come down here and God gives the increase in church. That isn't about me. They've been ministered to for years, maybe. Understand, none of us matter except for sharing the gospel. Only one that gets the glory is God. I can't save anybody. I can't forgive any of you. No man can forgive you of your sins. Only God can forgive you of your sins. That's why we're not special. We're just like you. My sins were forgiven because I repented myself. So understand, what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples is what? Don't get a big fat head. But he's also saying this. Listen, don't get discouraged when your witness is not accepted. You planted the seed. So pray. Look for another opportunity. You might not get, with our relatives, sometimes our relatives are the hardest people to bring to Christ. And usually it's going to be somebody outside the family. That's just the way it works. But don't be, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged at all. Now, verse 39. Now, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, watch this, 
many more became believers. Now, this is huge, verse 42. Pay attention. And they said to the woman, not in a nasty way, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is the Savior of the world. Not just the Savior of Samaritans, not just the Savior of the Jews, but of the what? The world. We're the world. We're the Gentiles. The Samaritans were half Gentile and half Jew. He's the Savior of the world. But notice what happens there. They believe. They believe. They were so excited. They wanted him to stay. As he stayed more, amazing things happened. But here's what he said. you got to get this. You can't become a Christian because somebody shared their testimony with you about how they became a Christian. You, yourself, have to make the personal commitment. Do you get it? I don't have time for an illustration, but I'll use this words. Taste and see. It's biblical that the Lord is good. See, you can't taste and the other person goes, wow, that's good. I'll accept that. No, no. They have to accept Jesus Christ for themselves. So they said, we, we were excited about the woman's testimony, but now that we heard you, we choose. Personally, every single one has to choose to be saved. Now, this whole story is about what? I want you to understand this. What do you see in the encounter with Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit to go to Samaria? When Jesus went to Samaria, and he's the one witnessing, how many, how many is witnessing? One. When he, went, when he went to the well, how many women were at the well? One. Okay, so we have the value of one. Why did Jesus go? Because God knew there would be, listen, listen, one searching woman at the well. How did God know that? Hello, he's God. That's why Jesus went. The disciples are going, what are you, crazy? Now, when she accepts the Lord, she has value. And, and Jesus had value because he went and his impact caused her to come to Christ. Now, what happens? She goes into the town. How many go into the town? One. And what comes out of the town? Many. Do you see the impact? Do you understand? What if Jesus doesn't go to the well? Forget the whole story. That's why we're challenged. It just is one. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. We just obey. We're led by the Spirit. We go. That's what this whole series is about. And you guys are doing so great. I'm so proud of you. You get it. And here's what I want you to write. Being led by the Spirit, our divine helper, is foundational for VIO. You are led by the Spirit. You, Psalms 37 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. The Holy Spirit guides us, nudges us, and speaks to our spirit so we can take the next steps in faith. Today, Pastor Mark showed us how the Holy Spirit has always been the ever-present help, not just in personal times of need, but also in our sharing of the gospel. Being led by the Holy Spirit is foundational for the value and impact of one. He will open doors and equip you to spread the message of Jesus to a world in need. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Throughout his time on earth, we saw Jesus defy the norm, stop what he was doing, and pursue one person. In your life, who took the time to stop what they were doing and value you? Now, think of the lives you've impacted from the one that impacted you. Pastor Mark has given us a challenging mission for our lives moving forward to value and impact just one. Will you break free from routine and comfort to seek out just one? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. Together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given